His Power is Perfected in Weakness by John Robert Stevens Sunday morning, March 2, 1969 at Grace Chapel of Southgate, California. Father, we look to thee this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for that anointing to come, for we are aware that thou hast given a word, and the importance of that word will be great for some hearts that are going through specific things. Others, Lord, will receive a word that they may not fully understand or grasp at the moment, but it will become a guiding principle of thy holy truth later when they do need it. So give us the alertness and somehow openness to hear by our spirit as well as our heart the word that you bring to us this morning. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I think that I have been going through for six weeks or two months one of the most frustrating times that I've ever experienced. I've had a feeling of inadequacy, of just general weakness. I felt like a weak person. I felt completely unable to press on into the things that God was bringing. I, I couldn't sleep too much last night. I was awake at three this morning. We had to pray and seek the Lord. And I began to be aware of it, that God had given me an answer. And as I got into this answer, I, I realized suddenly that God had positioned us for the greater works. I want you to get this. He had positioned us for the greater works. And there was a principle of weakness that I had not understood in the scripture. A basic principle of weakness. A basic principle of inadequacy that had to be established if we were going to do the greater works than these. If we were going to move into them. That the realm of the miraculous required certain things. And the scriptures unfolded immediately and I, I, just, I just couldn't write them down fast enough. And I'm going to share them with you because the, the, the epistle to the Corinthians is based upon this particular thing. Paul uses the term, actually that term weakness, concerning his own ministry. The description of the apostolic ministry. The description of what they were going through themselves. We start in with 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse 10, for one simple word. For his letters, they say, are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account. Now, this, this, this was the verdict of the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had entered into a period of prosperity, at least uh, I would say almost a spiritual arrogance. They come to the place where they had all the gifts of the Spirit moving along. They thought they were doing wonderfully well. And suddenly they despised Paul. They despised him because now they had some real orators that could come and preach the word, much better sermonizers, uh, men that were much more eloquent in the word, in fact, a good faction of them says, we are of Apollos, who was known for his eloquence. They loved the preaching of Peter, which probably was with a lot of fire. And some of them stuck with Paul. But you remember that the epistle to the Corinthians was, uh, was written because they actually did not want Paul to come back. Now, why didn't they want him to come back? Well, he said his letters are weighty, but his bodily presence uh, is, uh, what they say, is weak. And his speech is of no account. And this began to suddenly stir me. This whole epistle is dedicated to, to an apostolic condition, a condition of apostolic ministry, which we've overlooked. We haven't seen it as an essential thing. We keep saying when God brings forth a prophet, 
when God brings forth an apostle, we're going to see someone standing that's almost superhuman. No, quite to the contrary, you're going to see someone standing in weakness. Now watch this, because here it is. He starts out in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, and he said in verse 26, For behold your calling, brethren, that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God chose the foolish things of the world, and that he might put to shame them that are wise, and God chose the weak, again this term weak, the weak things of the world, that he might put to shame the things that are strong, and base things of the world, and things that are despised did God choose, yea, and things that are not, that he might bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory before God. Now, you notice it starts in, in the next chapter, and he says, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness. What kind of weakness, Paul? Well, weakness. It can't be, it can't be defined any other way. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Those are two things that are linked. The weakness and the trembling on the one hand, and, and the power of God that established a church in the other. And a few verses later, he's saying, I haven't seen. Verse 9, Ear has neither, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. In verse 12, he says, Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, this was wonderful, because suddenly I saw that linked with the power, linked with the revelation, linked with the moving on with God, was, was a very essential manifestation in the Apostle Paul, in the meekness. I, I look at the great authority of Moses, and I see that he's a man meek above all men on the face of the earth. Something about him of his own inadequacy. I'm a man of slow speech. He starts out with handicaps. He starts out with inabilities. He starts out with that which continually caused the people to rise up, to rise up really, to get out the leadership of Moses because Moses was unimpressive. We're all the people of God. We can do this job as well as Moses. There's not much in him that we see. And they, they were confusing the fact that God does it that way. If he has a man that comes to him with a great force of personality and so forth, he's going to begin to whittle that man down until he can use him. He's going to have to bring him to the place in which it's more of Christ and not so much as coming forth at the human level. And we know that. We know he must increase and we must decrease, but it's the process of this decreasing and the weakening until we, we suddenly become like a shell of the man we were. And we suddenly find that even when we put ourselves to all of the drive and force, there's something here so frustrating, something of such an inadequacy. And this suddenly became an answer to me that God has been working the condition in the ministries that's going to make it possible for the supernatural power to break forth. We are being positioned in God for the greater works. The principle of weakness is being established in the people of God. And I'm not talking along something that cannot be established. I want to go a little bit further with you, if I may. I notice that Paul went into a deliberate weakness. Look in the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. You can read from verse 19 to 27, because I think that it all would be beneficial to you. But for the sake of time this morning, I'll call your attention only to the 22nd verse. To the weak, I became weak that I might gain the weak. 
What does you mean, Paul? You're actually going to go out with a ministry in weakness? That's right. That's right. I don't think anything's going to come forth out of the strength of human ability that's going to be pleasing to God. Well, Paul had to do this. Now, leaf back with me to the fourth chapter of 1 Corinthians for just a moment, too. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 for just a moment. And this will read the whole portion because it's so essential. From about verse, uh, verse 8, this is so good. Oh, this is so good. Here, he paints a contrasting picture between the Corinthian church and himself. And, of course, he, he's saying we because he's including Apollos and Cephas. Uh, 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 you, know, you notice that's what he's saying. Uh, verse 6, he said, I've transferred these things to uh, myself and Apollos for your sakes. But he begins to talk about this, these, the, the great apostolic company of that day. And he talks about the Corinthian church and the difference that existed between them. Now, he said, verse 8, already are ye filled. Corinthian church boasted such spiritual fullness. Oh, we have everything. Already ye, ye, ye are become rich. Ye have begun to reign without us. And I would that ye did reign without us. Yea, and I would that ye did reign. That we also might reign with you. What is he saying? Well, they, they had their ways. Well, I don't believe God wants us to be, go through this sort of thing. We're... Oh, we have all blessings in the Lord. That's true. We have all this wonderful life in the Spirit. That's true. And this, this is the answer. This is the answer what you minister. But you forget that it, that, that comes forth and in a certain climate. The riches of grace comes forth in a certain climate. Now, you don't find Philippians 4.19 spoken to a rich and prosperous church. You find it spoken to the Macedonians in their deep poverty. My God shall supply all your need. Now, listen, there's, there's a certain thing here. Listen, for I think God hath sent forth us the apostles last of all as men doomed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world. What kind of an image did the apostles have in that day? Very, very poor. That, that's part of the picture. That's part of the picture. Now, we're made spectacles under the world, both to angels and men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ. Notice that. This was the Corinthian church. He's not using sarcasm. They were wise. And they would continue to be wise, to be full, to be greatly blessed until the day that the Lord was going to prepare a ministry in them. He said, we are weak, but ye are strong. Ye have the glory. We have dishonor. Even under this present hour, we, are, we both hunger and thirst. We are naked and buffeted, have no certain dwelling place, and we toil, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. The more they revile you, the more you can bless. Watch this. There's a comparison in it. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things, even until now. The only thing that's going to keep a man from flipping when it comes this hour is God just puts it right down to him. And he comes into the sufferings. Listen to this. I write not these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my children. For though you have 10,000 tutors in Christ, Paul writes here, 
ye have not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I begat you through the gospel. I beseech you, therefore, be ye imitators of me. I bet the, the Corinthians read that and said, yes, that's a fat chance I want to be an imitator of Paul. Huh? I like the blessing too much. Huh? Isn't that right? For this cause I have sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, who shall put you in remembrance of my ways which are in Christ, even as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and I will know not the word of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will you? Shall I come with you with a rod, or in love, and a spirit of gentleness? Ah, that's it. He may be weak. But man, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, there's a strength there. He's got it. You know, you see what I mean? I'll come, and, and you'll see that the kingdom of God is not in the word of the big mouths, but it's in the power that rests in the weak brother. Humble, weak brother. And he's saying very, very humbly, I'll trim you down to size again. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. He had the authority to do it. Not, no arrogance. No self-assertive, but Paul, what about your own condition? I'm weak. I'm weak. But here's the power of God coming forth through him, unlimited. The ministry flourishes in that particular kind of a climate. Now, the whole epistle of Corinthians is trying to convince them that they should accept the apostolic ministry of Paul. Oh, they accepted that. But that they should accept his particular apostolic ministry to them even though it was clothed with such humility and such weakness. And we go on a little further in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, and we start in with, with uh, let's start with verse 20, shall we? Now, Paul has, is reviewing again what that Corinthian church did. He said, verse 20, For ye bear with a man if he bringeth you into bondage, if he devoureth you, if he taketh you captive, if he exalteth himself, if he smiteth you on the face, I speak by way of disparagement as though we had been weak. You see, it's almost discouraging that we were so gentle and gave you so much. Well, that's true. Uh, boy, there's something about it that the people like to be taken. I can't get, I don't understand it. Uh, you, uh, have you ever noticed that? They just like to be taken. Somebody comes along just preaching the big eye and little Jesus and they'll fall for him every time. Do you know that? That's right. They'll fall for him every time. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. You don't receive me. Another comes in his own name, and him you will receive. And that's true. Some man comes along in his own name, and the people receive him. He, uh, yet he said, yet, wherein soever any is bold, I speak in foolishness, I am bold also. Now listen to what he says. Are the Hebrews, so am I. Are the Israelites, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as one beside himself, I more. In labors more abundantly, in prisons more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in deaths off. Uh, and I believe he meant that. I wonder how many times Paul died before they finally got it to stick. I know that he was, that they rocked him to sleep at Leicester and left him for dead. How many times did this happen? Hallelujah. That weak little fellow, they just couldn't stomp him out, you know? And of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of rivers, in perils of robbers, in perils from my own countrymen, 
in perils from the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in labor and travail, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, there is that which presseth upon me daily anxiety for all the churches. Man, what a giant he must have been. What endurance. What a terrific constitution. What an endurance. What an amazing man. Right? No. For the next verse, who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is caused to stumble? And I burn not. Somebody said, well, brother, I, I'd be in the ministry, but I got my feelings hurt. He says, Paul says, I burn. The deep chagrin, the humiliation, all of the suffering, everything else. This is marvelous for us to get this morning. If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things that concern my weakness. Hey, listen to this. The God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he that is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. And he goes on, he talks about how in Damascus, they let him out of a, down over the wall in a basket. And he went on to talk in the 12th chapter about the visions of seeing the Lord and how marvelous it was. And uh, then in verse 5, he says, On behalf of such a one will I glory, but on my own behalf I will not glory, save in my weaknesses. For if I should desire to glory, I shall not be foolish, for I shall speak the truth. But I forbear, lest any man should account of me above that which he seeth me, to be or heareth from me. And by reason of the exceeding greatness of the revelation, that I should not be exalted over much, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, that I should not be exalted over much. Why? Because the minute that a man moves a place uh, into the place of spiritual pride, he can no longer be used by the Lord. And there isn't anything really as deadly as spiritual pride. A person can fall into a lot of problems and discouragements, but spiritual pride is a, is a thing from which the ministry is, a, it is damaged tremendously. And as concerning this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he has said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now this is what we have to believe. Now, can God be actually bringing you into a place of weakness? Could he actually be, let some of the demonic assault and harassment come against you to keep you in a place so that this church and this people can actually move into the power of God? Is his power made perfect today in weakness? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to glory in it. Not to be frustrated, although it is the most frustrating thing in the world, to feel that you have natural abilities of drive and you can accomplish things and see them swept away. And I've always felt that I was a good worker, a man that could accomplish more than any, any half dozen men that I knew. And I believe that's about has been true. But all of a sudden, I, I could take lessons on, on, on the ABCs of the simplest planning of your life. Why? I think there has to be an emptying out. He must increase and we must decrease. You see, right now, I know God is faced with a problem. And he knows how to solve it. It's no mystery. He's dealt with people for several thousand years. And he knows what's in them. 
And he knows that the ministry must, well, start out, and there'll be so much of old man Stevens and so much of Christ. And the only way to get that out of it, he doesn't watch it, that old man Stevens is going to grow, and there's going to be more and more of him in the picture and less of Christ. So he keeps dealing, dealing, dealing with the old man. And as he brings him down, then a vacuum is created in your life in which you must appropriate Christ's wisdom and Christ's abilities for your vanishing wisdom and your vanishing abilities. And after a while, he's all in all. Wherefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses, in injuries, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak, then am I strong. Instead, you see, what I have done is I have superimposed the limitation on the ministry because of the condition that God was divinely imposing upon me. And the condition of weakness was being imposed so that I would move into a, a greater authority and power in the ministry. Instead of that, I've accepted that there isn't going to be any ministry as long as this condition exists. And I think we're misinterpreting the dealings of the Lord on our lives. And we ought to be rejoicing and exercising ourselves in the Lord all the more. Will you believe that? He says, I am become foolish, you compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing else was I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience by signs and wonders and mighty works. Now, suppose that we go on a little further. The 13th chapter winds up his dissertation on this weakness. He said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. At the mouth of two witnesses or three shall every word be established. I have said beforehand, and I do say beforehand, as when I was present the second time. So now being absent to them that have sinned heretofore, and to all the rest, that, that if I come again, I will not spare seeing that you seek a proof of Christ that speaketh in me, who to you word is not weak, but is powerful in you. So he's talking about weakness in himself, but the power of the ministry that went forth from him. For he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth through the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him through the power of God toward you. Now, he, he comes right down. He says, try your own hearts and so forth. But he winds the whole thing up, I think, beautifully in verse 9. For we rejoice when we are weak and ye are strong. How did they get strong? Through the weakness of Paul that so powerfully ministered to them. Do you get it? Amen. They never would have had a thing if he hadn't been going through that weakness. If he hadn't come in much weakness and trembling and fear so that the flow of God was unlimited. And the power of God was there. He said, we rejoice when we are weak and ye are strong. This we also pray for, even your perfecting. And there was one of the most subtle of things. Yes, we're in weakness, we pray for and you're strong. But my little prayer is going to pull the rug out from under you. God's going to bring you into weakness. He's going to bring you into the perfecting and bring you into a ministry too. Where do we get the idea that all the circumstances have to be right 
before we're going to move in the supernatural power of God. Where did that crazy idea come from? Was there one apostle in the New Testament that you can point to that was a superhuman? Weren't they all in this area of weakness and humility and the power of God rested upon them? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9 was a beautiful passage. He went on and he says, Wherein I suffer hardship, that is in the, for the gospel, wherein I suffer hardship unto bonds as a malefactor. But the word of God is not bound. Just think of that. Paul, what do you know about that apostle Paul? They've got him in jail now. They've got him tied down and they've tagged him as a criminal. A lawbreaker. I guess that'll end him. The greatest half your New Testament came out of that situation. The ministry was tremendous. The word was not bound. Onesimus. The apostle was sent back to his former master Philemon. What a wonderful, amazing thing. <laughs> I've got to say I feel a little better about it now. Because I was wondering what in the world has happened to me. What is this thing that's happened to me? And I think that you have been wondering the same thing. You've been wondering, what am I going through? What is this church going through? We're being so blessed, and we know this is of the Lord. We're not discouraged. But all of a sudden, we're being frustrated. We're being put in a corner. We're being restricted. Why? So that we will reach the world. So that we'll be able to do the signs and wonders. What should I do, Pastor? What should I do this morning? Do what I'm going to do. Do a little repenting of your stupidity. And then say, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't see what you were doing. I should have known. I, I should have picked that up. And then go to work to do the works of God. But you say, what about my personal problems? What about my finances? What about, what about this? What about that? Yeah, what about it? I may not get any better right away. Right? Maybe coming to church with your shoes out and rags, you may do that. Brother, don't say that. I want to prosper. Sure. It's the Lord's will that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. But death has to work in us so that life can work in you. Don't forget that. That's what he says. The thing that should be done is you say, all right, I'm willing to come up and enjoy the blessings, the riches, and just be an overflowing cup that I'm willing for the Lord to put me through it so that I can really start being the fountain that he wants to bless the world through. But that's, that's the way it comes. You see, uh, a ministry starts, a ministry is prophesied and a word begins to come. Watch what God does. Start putting them right down. Put in a corner. And they don't want that. They don't want that involvement. They don't want that restriction in our life. Oh, we never learn. Because you see, what we want to do is we want to work this thing up now. I get this in order and that in order, get everything going fine. Everything's going to be all right. And then, <sighs> just watch me. Watch me go and minister. And he won't get very much glory. But when this whole thing comes forth, the miracle power of God. And it is doing that. God's meeting people that walk into this church that have never been in before. And just right now they're being met. And there's things that are taking place in the lives of people that's just almost unbelievable. What do we do? Be discouraged? 
when God is working the very condition by which this thing will not diminish but is going to increase, we've only seen a small portion. We know of what we're going to have, and already he's preparing the condition. But believe me, believe me, this is no kid game. And you're going to go through it. It's going to be there. And this is the deep work of the cross that makes the flow of life so possible. His power is perfected in our weakness. I, I want you to identify that this is, not, this is not an inability to walk with God. This is the kind of weakness that comes over the total personality of a person. And all that he is and all that he figures that he can do and brings him to that state where he is more dependent upon Christ for everything, everything in his life. You got the message. Can you rejoice in it with me? This has been a Living Word 2022 publication.